Good morning, Grace Church. The writer in Psalms said, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I love that statement in the beginning. He says, This is the day. He didn't say, This might be, this could be the day. He said, This is the day that the Lord has made. He declared, This is the day. And with that also, he had the declaration that I will rejoice. He didn't say I might rejoice. He didn't say that I could rejoice. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of us today come here today to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. No matter what is against me, no matter what's come against me, this is the day that He's made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, let's lift our hands, let's praise Him today, and let's rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you sing it with us today? This is the day you made. 
little while this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He deserves it. He's worthy. And I want to give it to him. I want him to hear my voice above anybody else's. Hallelujah. Do we serve a great God this morning? I'm sorry. Do we serve a great God this morning? I think I'm hearing people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ who understand the value of grace and mercy. Praise God. I'm excited this morning. Praise the Lord. I, 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 it's good to see all of you here. I'm excited that you're here, kind of for a selfish reason, because each one of you represents something that God intends to do, a life that is going to be changed, and I want to be able to witness that, and maybe, maybe I can pray with you, but I believe that something at the end of this service is going to happen where you're going to leave this place different than when you came. Whatever it is, whatever burden you came with, you can leave that right here and leave this place transformed by the power and grace of God. I believe it. Praise God. I, something we were, I was teaching about grace this morning, and I'm going to keep you standing just a little while longer because you hear this better when you're standing. I was teaching about grace this morning, and there's something we have to understand. The severity of your failure does not diminish the power of God's grace. I was, I was several, uh, this has been several months ago, I was praying in my home early one morning, and the Lord spoke to me in a profound way, and it was talking about, we were, I was thinking of the chaos of the world around me, the issues with COVID, and the Lord spoke to me and said, the, the issues that you're talking about, the chaos in people's lives is the canvas onto which I'm going to paint a portrait of peace, using you as the pigments and the oils and the paints. Isn't that beautiful? God's going to use us to demonstrate His magnificent grace and mercy. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am tired of the same old thing. You may be seated. I want to I I step into a new dimension of power and presence of God in my life and in this church. Praise the Lord. Please remember in your prayer going forward from today, Sister uh, Cassie Crochet's nephew, Brandon, is in need of prayer. Please remember him, not only in this morning's uh, church service, but in your own private prayer. Please remember him in prayer. Uh, Sister Farrah Bunch would like to meet with all of our parents and our students going to all, uh, any of the youth camps uh, in the A Center immediately following the altar service. So if your children are going to any youth camp, please speak with Sister Farrah immediately after service. Monday, May 17th at 7 4 p.m., we're continuing United Family Prayer Time at home. Tuesday, May 18th, uh, we will have Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And on Sunday, June 6th, we will have Academic Awards Sunday. We have a bunch of smart kids in this church. I'm impressed with all of you. Um, we want to recognize awards that your child earned for the 2021 school year. Please submit a description of each award to the church office. Do you love the Lord this morning? Let's get behind these praise singers. And I don't want them to rob me of my prayer. I want to drown them out this morning. How about you? Can we lift our, our voices in our, our prayer to the Lord this morning?
So 
in this place today, Lord.
praise the Lord. Everybody, would you praise the Lord? Would you lift your voice and your face to heaven? And let's exalt the name of Jesus. Everybody, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. God, God is in this house right now. Don't you feel the presence of Jesus? Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands to the Lord all across the house? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I preached to you several Sundays ago about the journey between prayer and its answer. By a show of hands here today, how many have experienced an answer to prayer? You prayed and God brought it to pass. Thank the Lord. I'd anticipate every hand in the building lifted right now. Thank the Lord, it's worthy. It's worthy of us to put our faith in God because he hears and answers every prayer. Yes, he does. And I'm thankful that he can move the immovable. He can take the impossible and make it possible. We serve a God that can do all things. Yes, we do. We serve a God that can do all things. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. It is great to see all of you here today. I am really happy to see everybody here today. As a matter of fact, I can't look around the building and see anybody that I'm not happy that you're here. I'll say it that way. I'm glad you're here today. Thank everyone for being on campus with us here today. And I know that you've come with an open heart and open mind to hear the preaching of the word of the Lord. And um, I'm anticipating a very strong and powerful move of the Spirit of the Lord here today. He's already here, and I thank you for your worship. Thank you, praise team again, uh, for taking us to the throne of the Lord from the minute the service opened. Brother, De Brother Ben May did an amazing job uh, leading the service today. Thank you for that. And I'm anticipating what God is going to do from here for the rest of this service. I've come to you today with a somewhat of a compelling message and I'll not spend a lot of uh, preliminary remarks but God has just really dealt with my heart hard this week and uh, obviously I do my best to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and I can't think of anybody here today including myself that my message today will not include and a um, very familiar story, you all know it, but I want to approach it today perhaps from a little bit of a different angle uh, than maybe we've heard in the past. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Three words. Jesus said them, and he said them for a purpose. He said them for a reason. I don't believe he wanted his disciples to ignore this very startling statement. And I don't believe he wants us to either. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And that's my title. Remember Lot's wife. Again, I'm preaching to everyone here today. And I would even like to even more so make it more inclusive to those that may be watching on live stream today that could have been here. I'd like for you to remember Lot's wife. Everybody said thank the Lord for the word. Thank you and you may be seated. Before I begin my message today, I do want to say, and we'll use the COVID pandemic as a, uh, a landmark, if you will, but I would like to remind everybody that seemingly the powers that be that told us to stay home and quarantine has now told us we can kind of get out of the house and roam freely. I say that with a certain amount of cynical content. So now I'm waiting for everybody to come on back to church. Now that the government has told you you can come back to church, maybe you'll consider coming back. Live stream people. My point is is if you're doing, if your relationship with God today is lesser than it was a year, year and a half ago, then I really want to speak to you today. If, you're, if there was a time in your life when you was on campus for every service, I'm preaching to you today. If there was a time in your life when you were at every prayer meeting and you're not now, I'm preaching to you today. You don't realize it, but you're becoming a monument for others to observe. If you only look at the calendar in a year's time, you'll discover that there are certain days set aside to honor people. There are a few days every year that schools, banks, government offices, and many places of employment are closed because of the birthdays of these people. Uh, George Washington's birthday, Abraham Lincoln's birthday, Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, Columbus Day. There are other holidays that we observe every year in honor of some great and special event. Uh, Independence Day, Labor Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Furthermore, there are many cities across the United States that have various monuments in them to honor some, of, some great man or woman who performed some special skill, job, or led some great cause that changed the shape of the world. Uh, we have a beautiful monument at our state capitol building uh, of, of Huey P. Long, and I'm sure all of you have seen that. Men's lives will always be preserved on the pages of biographies so that those who want to, can find inspiration from reading them. And because the lives of men in secular history are important, I should prevail on all of us here today that there are those who had some part in church history that should and would be even more important to us if we chose to seek out and study their lives. And I'll say in passing, I would encourage you to remember even biblical heroes, biblical men and women, such as the patriarchs, that being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the prophets, Nathan, 
Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and a host of others. The New Testament apostles of Paul and Peter and John and James and, and all the rest of those. And you traverse on through the New Testament and find great men and women that are just simply titled the martyrs. Stephen and 11 of the apostles and again a host of others that you can read specifically about in Hebrews 11. Given time, I would encourage you to be thankful for those who brought the ridiculed and mocked uh, apostolic message to where it is even today. We need to remember men like A.D. Urshan and William Seymour and G.T. Haywood and O.F. Foss and others who have brought amazing truths and revelation into our lives that we celebrate even to this day. So when Jesus told his disciples to remember Lot's wife, it comes as a startling command. The reason that it is so startling is because this was the only person recorded in Scripture that Jesus ever told anybody to remember. The only person. Jesus didn't tell anybody in the Bible to remember Anybody else, this is interesting to me, he did not tell them to remember any of the Old Testament giants, of the, the men and women of the Old Testament. There wasn't any mention of the patriarchs, the heroes, or the nobles. Jesus wanted his disciples to remember someone. Jesus wanted his disciples to remember someone who started but did not finish. He wanted somebody, he wanted his disciples to remember someone who started the journey but didn't make it. If the Lord commanded for us to remember Lot's wife, and I believe it's only reasonable to ask ourselves, what is there to remember about this woman? It seems to me if Jesus want us, wanted us to remember Lot's wife. I believe he knew, knows the end from the beginning. So he knew in creation he was going to ask this question. Why didn't he give us more information about Lot's wife? When you look back to remember things in the lives of people, invariably there are historical associations that surround them, that made them who and what they were. When you think of World War II and a flood of information comes to us when you begin to think about Franklin Roosevelt and Dwight Eisenhower and Douglas MacArthur and George Patton and Winston Churchill. When you think of the world of medicine and you run across names like William Fleming who discovered penicillin and Jonas Salk who invented the polio vaccine and Clara Barton and Florence Nightingale who influenced the American Red Cross and, and started the profession of nursing. All great people are somewhat defined by the circumstances under which they are forced to contend with in life. There are other historical figures that they, the only real thing that is known about them is when they were born and when they died. In reality, playing into this whole idea 
of historical discovery, birth, name, good works, evil deeds, extraordinary devotion to God, or vile sinfulness. People gain attention because of the actions of their lives. When we get to Lot's wife, it appears that her birth, her past, and existence really means nothing at all. It has no significance in the Word of God in this context. There's never a name given to her. It's interesting that we know Abraham's wife. We even know Abraham's brother's wife's name. But Lot's wife's name is never given. She's never been identified by her name. She makes her appearance in Genesis 19. It is a once and for all appearance. We know nothing of her family. We know nothing of her habits. We don't know anything about her friends or her background. How could we remember someone? Why would Jesus ask his disciples to remember someone when there's such a vacuum of information about this person? I believe the disciples would have been, it would have been fair for them to say, what do you want us to remember about Lot's wife? We don't even know her name. We don't know anything about her. Yet I interject this small but important fact about our Bible. There are cases all throughout biblical history where unnamed characters mattered greatly in the Bible. If only we were to look at the great unnamed women of Scripture, we would find such food for our spiritual life. For example, the widow of Sarabath, the woman of Shunem, the woman of Samaria, the widow of Nain. We don't know their names, but their lives were amazing. I would submit to you today that Lot's wife fills this category. Oddly enough, we never read of her in any of Lot's movements throughout the book of Genesis. Even in the conversation that Lot had with the angels who were telling him to leave the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, they do not mention her. Genesis 19 verse 12 says such. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. She appears for the first time in a brief but vivid picture of the hurried run from Sodom. While Lot can't seem to make up his mind, lingering, dragging his feet, if you will, hesitating, the Scriptures interject this tense statement. And while he, Lot, lingered, the men laid hold on his hand and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, the Lord being merciful unto them, and brought them forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain." lest thou be consumed. Very clear instruction. But this is half 
of the history of Lot's wife. These two verses in Genesis 19, 16 through 17, this is half of all we know about Lot's wife. Sometimes there are places where the Scripture gives a bit more detail to something that has already taken place. We find the names of the Egyptian sorcerers, Janez and Jambres, given by Paul to Timothy. We find Jude telling us that there's a prophecy that Enoch gave. We find Jude further telling us about the battle between Michael, the archangel, with Satan over the body of Moses. But with Lot's wife, no further details are given to us about what took place that fateful day in Genesis 19, except for the other half of her history and one single verse in Genesis 19 and verse 26. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back from behind them and she became a pillar of salt. Suddenly she appears and just as suddenly she disappears. She's like a fast-moving cloud in the sky that appears and in minutes has disappeared from the sky. Lot's wife, according to the Scripture, had no beginning, no middle, but had a terrible end. There on the roadside, leading to Zor, is a pillar of salt. That pillar of salt has a fiery, burning backdrop of two cities, 